Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In. I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are in our 1957 Plymouth Fury. Comfy and cozy, sitting next to each other. Not in bucket seats. Nice bench seats. Nice so bench seats. can slide a little closer together if things get spooky and scary. Cozy and up together. Mm-hmm. Getting all warm because it's a little bit of a chill. It There's is. a fall it's chill a little, in here. A little, a little nipply. Yeah. A little nipply. And uh, we are about to uh, to watch one of our favorite movies, and we're going to continue with our tradition of only watching the sequels to classic <laughs> films and not the actual first movies, um, and making a commentary. This is a commentary episode, you guys! Yeah! I love doing these. One, because they're a lot easier to make. <laughs> well, I think I like him because it's just an excuse to sit down and watch a movie together. Yeah, I like to watch movies with you. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. We usually, a little bit of behind the scenes information, but we typically watch our movies for our episodes completely separate from yeah. each other. Um, and with without our guests as well. And the idea being that we hope to be able to watch them as a double feature together yeah. with an audience, but... It's a it's it's still a rare situation. Socially, we don't yeah we don't really yeah. get the opportunity to kind of just sit down together and watch a movie. You yeah, know? So it's, sometimes it's nice to just sit down, shut the fuck up, and watch a movie together. But we won't be shutting the fuck up tonight. No, we'll be running our fucking gabs <laughs> the fact, entire time. We won't even really be getting a chance to watch the movie. But it's okay because Chris, how many times do you think you've seen? Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, by clicking on the title, tonight's feature is Phantasm Two. The ball is back. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times do you think you've seen this movie? No, you know what? We, we should just ju- let's just jump right into this. Okay, shit. let's jump. And we right can in. talk about it while we're watching yeah, it. Yeah, right? let's do that. Let's do that. All right. So the way that this works as a special commentary episode is you're going to put in your copy of Phantasm Two, whether it's a VHS, a Blu-ray, a DVD. Or maybe you got lucky and it's streaming somehow, or you bought it digitally. I only got it on DVD. And you're going to press play. And as soon as you see the beautiful universal star field, the very first star that you see pop up on the screen, I want you to pause your movie. And then you're going to hear us. And it's the MCA universal one, right? I think it just says universal. Yeah. I don't think it says MCA. Oh, okay. Although I feel like this was at the time that MCA owned. I don't know. But I don't think that it does say MCA. Oh, okay. Regardless. Well, we'll find out soon enough. You'll see the star field. You're going to press pause, and then you're going to wait. We're going to count down. We're going to say three, two, one. And when you hear the tall man say, Boy! That's when we're both at the same time going to press play. And then we will hopefully be synced up and able to watch the movie in unison. Me, Chris, and you, the listener. And we'll get to enjoy a spooky night of silver balls. Some Don Coscarelli with a budget. So let's get into it, huh? I think let's just jump into this. Let's do it, man. Okay. 
So go ahead and pause your movie right now. So we'll do this is a test. This is a test for you who's listening. Pause your movie, and then we're gonna say three, two, one, boy, and then you'll press play. But don't do it now. But just get ready because now you're about to do it. Okay, here we go. Ready? In three, two, one, boy. There's the star field. There it is. I love this logo, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is MCA. Okay, an MCA company. This is the This is the one they used in of course the eighties. So this that logo always brings me back. Yeah. It might be my favorite iteration of the Universal logo. Yeah? Yeah. What about you? I kinda like the one that's got the little plane flying around from like the nineteen forties. Dude, this might blow your mind. But oh, by the way, there's our beautiful title. Yeah. Phantasm. Phantasm. And hold on a second, and it comes. Nice and chromed to <laughs> blood red. Uh, God damn it. Just gets you right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched the other night. Uh, what the fuck movie was it? Uh, uh, Werewolf of London. Oh, yeah. And Henry Hall. Yeah. And at the end of that movie, is it that movie? they get into a, a white biplane and they fly off and it flies up into the air. And then it cuts to the M's, the Universal logo of the white biplane flying oh around it. And I'm like, that's a fucking flying it. Yeah, anyway. It blew my mind. I thought that was so exciting. I like to write in my journal. So this is our uh, our lady telling us about her. Ooh, here we're going to get a nice little flashback. This is a, a nice charcoal drawing of the end of the original Phantasm. Michael Baldwin and, of course, Reggie Bannister, who pretty much looked the same in the 10 years that kind of... The only thing I'll say is he looks fucking great in this movie. Reggie? Yes. I think he's in great shape. Yeah. Even his his bald head looks better. Like, everything about... He just looks cool. His haircut's cool. Yeah, I think they went through and they shined it a little more and everything. You know, he's got a good kind of paint going on. Yeah, He's got that nice male pattern baldness with the ponytail. But he's at the right age in his life where he just looks fucking great. Yeah. You know, he's got, he's probably... How old do you think he is in this movie, in Phantasm 2? In Phantasm 2? Like, late 30s? Maybe yeah, early 40s? Yeah, I was gonna 40s. say, like, maybe 40. Yeah. He's just... Guess. He looks prime. He looks great. And he looks like a fucking hero with his with his sunglasses. Yeah. So Don Coscarelli said that he had a, a dream or a vision, and that it was that this movie, Phantasm Two, just starts immediately after the first movie. And I, I don't know how much that had been done. Do you? Can you think of any movies that like just go right away? Like they, the next shot is like part two suddenly. Uh, yeah, yeah, a, uh, a new hope. <laughs> so you go right from Rogue One into a new hope. Well, you, that does kind of work. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Casino oh. Royale into Quantum of Solace. Oh, that's a ooh, Chris, good call. Yeah, I want to live in this room right now. Look at that, Tiffany Lamb with a coconut wood pill paneling. bottle. Oh. <gasps> Angus Scrim after he cut his hair for the reshoots. Now that's where our first phantasm left off. Mm-hmm. And 
now. Here's all new footage. I love that you said the play. Although it actually, it's not a bad match. It's no, it not matches a bad well. Match. I feel yeah. I, I'm totally in there with it. Like I buy it 100. percent Chris, what is your um, what's your experience with Phantasm, man? Honestly, Phantasm. Well, Phantasm Two was probably my entry into the whole Phantasm universe. Um, <laughs> Me too, buddy. I used Me to, too. I used to watch the the trailer channel for pay per view, <laughs> and I remember in 1988, like you know, they would just go through and they would loop the trailers and everything. And I remember, you know, this. You know, Phantasm, and it's fucking Percy Rodriguez's yes. awesome voice saying Phantasm. Phantasm. A ghost, a specter. Oh, it's the definition. Uh, yeah, yeah, like in, in the dictionary and everything. And then all of a sudden they just go into like all the footage from the movie, and I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, and I knew from watching the trailer that, you know, there had been another movie called Phantasm, that this was actually, I mean, Phantasm 2, I got to seek out, you know, this first movie as well, but it's just the imagery. And then uh, I, I remember, I think I caught it on an HBO. They were playing Phantasm 2 on HBO. And so I watched it, and it was a complete and utter mindfuck. Yeah. Uh, I had never seen this anything one. This like one it. Was? Yeah, Phantasm 2. So I saw Phantasm 2 first, and then said, I got to go back and see Phantasm 1. And. I was really surprised at for a movie that's filmed a decade apart, kind of like Night of the Living Dead, but I think maybe better than Night of the Living Dead, the continuity between the two films. And if, of course, if I'm trying to talk about continuity and Phantasm, um, you know, Phantasm's a batshit crazy concept. Well, it's almost it's almost continuity proof. If, yeah. If it, like, it, it, it almost designed itself so that it didn't have to stick to those rules. But that's what's incredible about the movies is that there is a continuity. Yeah. It's all like he didn't have to do that. He no. designed it to be trippy and weird and nightmarish, and yet he still—that's how you know a dude is a good filmmaker. Yeah, like who get, he cares about his audience and his fans. Definitely, and I love that about Don. I love that. Um, mine, mine was Phantasm Two. Also, man, yeah. I uh, this was a movie that I. Oh, here we go, Angus. I would go and spend my summers uh, up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, like away from friends and family, like uh, I would go up there with my mom, and we would—that's where I'm from, Canton, Ohio—and mm-hmm. we would just go up and visit other family members that were not really a part of our immediate lives. And I would kind of shuttle all over the place to various houses, and one in particular was a friend of the family's, and she had a house very much like this house, mm-hmm. and uh, it had a. A narrow stepped up to the attic and um anyway long story short too late i rented phantasm 2 and i watched it in a quiet beautiful old ohio home on a tiny small tube television yeah and it blew my fucking mind yeah in addition just like that house blew up right there i had also found the cover of fangoria number i don't know what number that had angus scrim on the front melting Oh, from Phantasm 2, yeah. So I had okay. that cover, that magazine with me when I saw this movie for the first time. Yeah. And I was, I fell in love. 
Yeah. So th- this movie hits all my nostalgia buttons. Well, I mean, it's just, it's so outside convention, too. It's a horror film, but it's a science fiction film, if you kind of really look at it. Um, there's a mythology to it, but it's in the, you know, the depths of, like, evolving. And this the, is like a buddy road movie. The imagery is just super evocative. Yeah. The uh, the overall tone, it's, you know, bleak and, and frightening. The characterizations are interesting. I mean, it's just a really, really interesting set of movies. I mean, in here, here we get, you know, a, a flashback to the original film and fucking talk about the, the ball. I think this movie does a great job of filling in the blanks that might have been left over from anybody who's going to see this movie blind. Yeah. You know? Although, I guess nobody really did go and see this movie, but at the time of its release, which is very unfortunate. Ooh, look at that fake head right there. Dude, that looks great. It does look great. I mean, you can tell it's a fake head because if you look at the eyebrows, you can tell that they're punched hair. But like when he's stitching those lips together, Ooh. look, I grew up in a funeral home. I know what that shit looks like. That was a good body right there. That's a credit to our old buddy Mark, Mark Showstrom. Showstrom. Yep. And here we get our first look at James LaGrosse as Mike. Now, how do you feel about it, man? You know, I'm I'm one. I like continuity and everything. You know, I I, I thought it was pretty cool that when we got into like Phantasm Three, that uh, Michael Baldwin came back. A Michael Baldwin came back to play the role of Mike. Um, I think James LaGrosse is a better actor. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm sorry. You know, A Michael Baldwin, if you're listening to this and everything. Um, you know, I think you were a very, very talented kid actor, and that's not to say anything on, on the continuation of your talent and such, but like, there was just something about James LaGrosse that I, I totally bought in this. Yeah, I kind of, I, I approach it because this was the first one I saw yeah. as well. I didn't have the, the that brand loyalty yet, yeah. right? So like, it didn't really bother me. Um, I also know, you know, as a kid, kids grow up and they look different, so I don't think I really cared that much. And that's kind of traveled with me over the mm-hmm. years. That said, I really, I wish I could see a movie, w- a version of this with a Michael Baldwin. Yeah. I really do. I, I would have, I he was like, Mike is like the coolest kid to me. Yeah, like definitely. As a, in that first Phantasm, he's so cool. And I know that. Riding the motorbike, driving the fucking Hemi Cuda, man. And I know he auditioned for this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, this this is it must. This is just why it's rough to make movies in the studio system. Yeah. Is Don Coscarelli was told by Universal, nope. you've got to recast it, and he was like, "God, what the fuck are you talking about?" Well, it was like a family atmosphere for making the first film, and I'm sure it was like felt like an act of betrayal on his part. I would hate to have been Don to have to make that phone call. Yeah, um, but he did at least get. Reggie, yeah, and, and Angus. He and he fought for Reggie. Yeah, they made him screen test. God damn! Now I know that one of the people too that uh, auditioned for the role of Mike that uh, Don turned down. Do you know who that was? Brad Pitt. That's right, Bradley Pitt. Mm-hmm. That's okay too. That I feel like now if we watched it, that would have clouded it. Yeah, but that's all right. He went on to make Cutting Class, which I dig that movie anyway. Jill Shalin. Mm. <laughs> I love that this movie just clips along, too. I mean, it... It's what they call in media res, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's also interesting is this kind of not too dis- 
similar from Evil Dead 2, it functions in a way as a pseudo remake of the first movie. It's almost like, you know when a studio sees a movie like Wreck and they're mm-hmm. like, this fucking movie's incredible. We need to make it American. Yeah. It's kind of like that's what Universal did with this. They were like, they saw Phantasm and they were like, damn, this movie's cleaning up. Uh, well, you know, I, I learned something from listening to a another film podcast uh, that has to do specifically with why a lot of films are remade as American films as opposed to trying to release the foreign film. And why? What do they say? Because it makes the original filmmakers more money. And who was it that was saying that? Uh, a film executive. Oh, <laughs> the guy that you should trust. Yeah, well, his, his, his rationale, though it made a whole lot of sense, too, and I kind of trust what the guy said, yeah. is that, um, number one, in a foreign film kind of market, that sort of thing, uh, you know, people just don't like subtitles, okay? So if you try to go through and release the film in the U.S. and everything, people don't like to read. I mean, that's a very American thing. Right? Yeah, don't like sure. How, many, how much money did Parasite make? Oh, I'm sure it made a shit ton. Well, yeah. I mean, once again, you're going to have your outliers and everything. Sure. But by and large, for them to go through and sell the licensing rights and to get a piece of that pie as well. So not only do they get a fee for selling the rights, but they also get a percentage off of the remake and sometimes producer credits on it as well. Um they have the option to be able to make more money off of that than if they just tried to re-release the film. I, I'd like US. to hear a filmmaker's perspective on that. Yeah. Because that does smack of something that an executive would say, sign here, oh, trust well. me, you'll make much more money if you do what I say. Yes, thing. <laughs> Fucking making a movie with Cobra Commander? <laughs> Cobra! <laughs> I mean, uh, Phantasm! Serpentor! <laughs> oh no, they just killed... When did fucking Reggie get a family, man? Yeah, we missed all that. Yeah. He probably charmed him with his song. That's true. Sitting here at midnight. midnight. No, although I think uh, Jody wrote that. Yeah, I buy it. I buy that. Dude, when are we going to get a Lego set of the Hemikuta from Phantasm? That would be fucking awesome, because, you know, they've got the uh, the Aston Martin I just got DB5. it. I just did, did it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it the other day. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to splurge on this. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't get the Technic version. I, I got the, like, the Speedmasters version. It was like, it was only 20 bucks. It was, like, yeah. smaller. Totally yeah. worth it, dude. Yeah. Totally worth it. And now it's sitting on my shelf with all my trade paperbacks of Bond. Nice. My bookshelf at home, yeah. Nice. Um... Hey, wait a second. Are they in a garage? Oh, no, they're in a no, store. In a store. In a hardware store. Can we talk about the Hemikuta for a sec? Absolutely. Uh, okay, so I Although used to... Although we do want to kind of make some comments on what's happening in this bit, too. But yeah, talk about the Hemikuta. Well, this is like that scene in Dawn of the Dead that we all love. Yeah, when they go through and raid the uh, the gun store. Mission prep. Or when in Commando, when uh, Schwarzenegger goes to the gun store, drives the... What other, I mean, this is like, this is everybody's dream, especially when you're a kid. Like, we all saw the promos for, like, win a shopping spree at Toys R Us. It's just oh, like, hell yeah. And watching supermarkets sweep, just throwing hams into your fucking yeah. <laughs> into in your your shopping, shopping cart. cart. Yeah. Who hasn't wanted to do that? It's so funny now. This is how I know I'm an old man. Watching them load up on home improvement tools. Yeah. I'm just like, like yeah, oh, let yeah. me do that shit. 
I mean, you wouldn't believe the erection that Brandon has right now when he's watching this scene. Just because it's all those two mag lights. Oh, and then we got chainsaws. Shotguns, chainsaws, lever action rifles. Imagine that. Just getting ready, you know, stocking up, getting your equipment to go fight the tall man. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the modifications that they do. Well, let's see. We just broke into this place, so let's go ahead and spend the time while we're here. <laughs> Hopefully, we didn't set off any silent alarms or anything. Let's just start welding and grinding. Well, maybe the town. Maybe, oh, is it's maybe it's, it's one, one of the abandoned, abandoned towns? towns. I don't yeah. know. I also love the idea that Reggie is just, like, loaded. Selling ice cream. Yeah. Self-made man. I mean, like, yeah. he deposits a fat stack of hundreds in this cash, cash register here. Yeah. And I'm always like, damn, Reg. Well, you know, if Ben and Jerry can do it, I'm sure Reggie can, too. <laughs> but, like, homemade flamethrowers, quad-barreled shotguns. Fuck yeah. Who doesn't like a flamethrower? I guess whoever's getting flamed. Like the trans-dimensional tall man. I love this setup that you're like, he's going to steal the money, and he just tosses in these bills. I love that. If you're not endeared to these guys as your heroes right away, especially yeah. Reggie. Yeah. All right, here's where I'll just I'll do a little digression about this Hemikuda. So I used to do a, uh, work on a TV show, and it we traveled all over the place, uh filming and interviewing people for about their cars okay yeah and every and i could give a shit i'm just like i'm not a car guy i don't care and i i have no interest that said i could notice and appreciate aesthetic sure i love the way this car looks yeah. i would love to have one um i also kind of would love to have one and remove the engine and just put like a quiet electric engine in there just to piss everybody off at the car shows okay but every car show my only equalizer because i had no interest i don't know what to talk about to these people mm -hmm. i would always say you guys ever see uh the movie phantasm at almost 100 percent of the time chris i shit you not everybody had. everybody knew this hemi cuda yeah and everybody not everybody but another per percentage of those people would go yeah they fucking wrecked those cars for the those movies and they would say it so solemnly and upset. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have that done that are, Coscarelli's on their shit list. Yeah, they're gearheads who like know that car, and they're like, it's one of the best cars in movie history. Yeah, and it is. It's fucking rad as hell. It is. And they didn't have to destroy it, <laughs> and they do like in every movie. Yeah, stunt car. Oh, Don. So here's where they start to expand the mythology a little bit. You know, in that the tall man goes from small town to small town, just raiding the graves in order to create. Well, of course, they don't explain why they're doing it until we kind of get to the end of this, really. But here they are. All right. They're gearing up. Going to go after the tall man. Just imagine having a big old fucking bandolier that's loaded with auger bits and 12 gauge <laughs> shotgun shells. Although, actually, looking at those with the color, those might be 20-gauge shotgun shells. I thought they were just little butt plugs. Oh, well, could be. Now, why do you suppose, Chris, you know more about guns than I do. 
Um, what does his shirt say? Or his hat? What's it say? It says booger, booger down, or something. Like that. Boogie down, boogie down. Okay, why? Um, why do you suppose he cut the barrels angled? Is it just because it looks cool? I think because it looks cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I used to always. I mean, go, it makes it more penis-like and more penetrating. It does. Does your penis look like that? Well, it kind of comes sort of like to a point, you know, like a rounded point and everything. But, and it you know. sprays pellets. Oh yeah, <laughs> little teeny tiny pellets with tails that swim very very weirdly. Buckshot. Fuckshot. <laughs> skeet skeet. <laughs> I'm gonna go skeet shooting. With my shotgun. I was always amazed. I was like, God damn, they dug those fucking every single one of those graves for Mm -hmm. real. Now it would be a a CGI thing. And then I think I was, I don't know where I found this information (laughs) Look at that. That's a cardboard tube and you can tell. Oh my God. It's still painted so well. Yes. Burn in hell. Perfect, perfect point because they didn't dig those graves. All they did was they dug like a foot out of them yeah and then they just lit them mm-hmm. so that it looked shadows. De- yeah out of like in fucking genius and yep. he does the same thing here with those home depot cardboard tubes yeah that they just painted marble which is of course something that they learned making the first phantasm film yep so this movie um since we're talking about that uh, the production designer of this film was a man named Phil Duffin, mm-hmm. and he also did Evil Dead 2 mm-hmm. uh, the year prior, along with Mark Showstrom. Yep. Um, and incredible work. He's an incredible yeah. production designer. Um, but he somehow managed to do all this on a budget as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we talk about how this is a phantasm with a budget. The first phantasm cost somewhere in the neighborhood of, I want to say, and let's just—I think I want to speculate like between three and seven hundred. Yeah, which um, Coscarelli got from his parents. Yeah, and and some outside investors, yeah. but and the film was made over a period of how long? Uh, about a year. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it took a long time, and this movie had a budget, but it was not a big budget by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, well, this is—I mean, for what Coscarelli's used to working with, I feel like the budget of this was somewhere around. Am I, am I like three? Okay. Um, although I wouldn't be surprised if I were to read something where somebody was like, no, it's seven or eight. But I feel like it was more like, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look that up. Well, the look on this film is really good. Oh, here we go. What's this actress's name? Um, She's a podcaster now. Yeah. Her, her name in this host. is Alchemy. Yeah. Uh, I forget what the actress's name is, but she... Uh, had a had a career in softcore, yeah. Um, uh, porn for not porn, but softcore movies, uh, like Skinamax films. Yeah. Um. After this, she's a very gregarious personality. Not quite Matilda May, but you know, three million. Chris, okay, was the budget on this, and you know. I think Universal had high hopes for this movie. I think Don Coscarelli had high hopes for this movie. Mm-hmm. He was in the post process of Vision Quest um, when this when Universal goes, "Hey, would you make a sequel to Phantasm?" He dropped Vision Quest. He just was like dropped it and put that into post turnaround mm-hmm. so that he could get this movie fast tracked. He was so excited about it, hmm. and uh, I think unfortunately it just got dumped by. MCA Universal. I just don't think they really 
knew what to do. I love his look here. Yeah. Where he goes like, oh, oh did I miss it? He, yeah. What? But the movie bombed. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it opened at number nine, and then it never cracked any higher than that. It dropped off. I think it was pulled from release after like two or three weeks. Well, unfortunately, I think, you know, Phantasm's one of those just, it's a very, very kind of niche film. And I don't think enough people were really kind of like, well, why? I haven't seen Phantasm 1. Why would I go see Phantasm 2? Interestingly enough, though, Universal was still behind it enough that they, you know, financed Part 3, which was a lower budget, but still somewhere around like one and a half, I think, for Part 3. And, uh... But I believe that went direct to video. Um, or it might have had a theatrical release. But was that 95? 94, 95? I want to say 94. Wanna, yeah, I feel like 90, 93, 94 maybe. Yeah, anywhere between 93 and 95. And then Oblivion was 97, I think. And uh, it wasn't until fucking, God, what, like 2015? 2017 that we had Ravager. Yeah. It's the girl that Mike's been dreaming about. And she, he. What? Oh, yes. Sorry. (laughs) Reciprocating is what you're saying. Boogie down. Ooh, I love this. Mm-hmm. I love this fucking nightmare effect. Yeah. And I love how Reggie flips out. Get the fuck back. Ooh. Looks like Freddy. <laughs> it does. <laughs> he is, like, terrified. It reminds me of the thing. Yeah. You know, it's a little homage there. With a scream, definitely. Dude, I what what I love about this is that it just feels like Coscarelli wears his heart on his sleeve, mm-hmm. and I I think that that's he's probably, a very sincere filmmaker. Yeah, man, and I love that about like, and you know I don't I don't mean to uh, to be too down on Phantasm Five, but that's the one thing that it, the movie misses to me is it doesn't quite feel like. It was made with the same maybe enthusiasm um, or or sincerity. Yeah, it just feels like we got to do this before everyone's dead. You know, which well, I you know, I also Don, get. Don's getting a little older too. You know, and yeah. I always thought this actress was so very pretty. Was she ever in anything else? I I would have to look to be honest with you, Paragord. Great name. Yeah, Paragord, Oregon. Sounds creepy. Um, like all the cemetery gates and everything are always like, and I'm talking about the Smith song, but you know, they find these great <laughs> old houses. Oh, Paula Irvine. Okay, so she. Oh, these assholes. Beverly Hills 90210, Growing Pains, NBC's Santa Barbara. Okay, so she's a television actress. Yeah, so she did some stuff. I guess this is what she's... Oh, and that's... What's her face from um, from uh, Nancy? No, not Nancy. Um, 
from hardware. Who? Nancy Travis? Not Nancy Travis. The the sister? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And this actor, this character actor playing the priest, what's his name? I want to say Kenneth... Uh, Kenneth... Tyne? No, not Kenneth Tynan. Yes. Is that right? I think no, that's Kenneth right. Kenneth Tynan's a, a theater critic. Uh, hold on. Hold on. God, I, I feel like I, I would know this Kenneth any McMillan. day. Kenneth McMillan. Kenneth McMillan's... Uh, Kenneth Tigar. Tigar. There we go. Who I can't wait for that scene uh, when it get when we get to it. Uh, he has one of the best scenes in the movie. It's like a full on. It's it's like a short film onto itself. Yeah. His showdown with the tall man. Uh, before that, his his uh, his nightmare with the tall man. Obviously Catholic. I also can't help but wonder if uh, this what ha- what 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 the priest does with the corpse of the old man um, in this sit- setting is very reminiscent of the opening of a Michael McDowell novel called The Elementals, where it starts at a family funeral and mm-hmm. the family, the patriarch of the family, and his sister, who is a nun, approach the corpse and put a sword over a dagger over it and push it through the corpse's chest just to well you got to make sure that it's dead make sure that she's dead and it's like a family ritual and i can't help but think that he maybe took a little bit of inspiration from that novel for this look at those light fixtures in that church that my church growing up had the same type of light fixtures really yeah and here we get kind of like all right here's what we can do for a mausoleum with a little more money, which I'm telling you, what Coscarelli did in the first Phantasm movie on the budget that he had and the few panels that he had in order to make the that mausoleum was pretty damn good. But yeah. here's where if you have just a little more money to play with, um, you know, it's it's evocative of the first film, but, you know, just that much better. Yeah, you, you get a good designer in there who can kind of dirty it up. Mm-hmm. And then a cinematographer, by the way. The cinematography of this movie is outstanding. Yeah. Darren Okada, who was a cam op yeah. on the first Phantasm and has since gone on to become an A-list cinematographer. Yeah. Um, this movie is beautiful to look at. The camera moves are mm-hmm. fucking awesome. It feels like Joe Dante meets Sam Raimi. It's just wide-angle lenses that can't constantly push in. I mean, look at that vista right there. And this this shot is so cool, like... The camera just Reggie like, in his flannel hangs out in the in the in the hotel while they walk out to the car, and you know that's a set. They just built that wall. Yeah. Did they not close the trunk? It doesn't look like it closed all the way. It's cool though how like the inside lid of the trunk, you know, they've got all the weapons and stuff that yes, are kind of stowed dude, there. Yes. And everything. I mean, these are men on a mission. Yeah, I love the road aspect of this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that dude's mouth was sewed shut. Well, they do a really good job to. And don't they usually do that on the inside? Don't they wire the jaw and then glue the lips? Sometimes. Sometimes. 
Yeah, there's all kinds of interesting stuff for the restorative art. Ah, a priest who drinks? (laughs) Very transgressive of Don. (laughs) A Catholic priest who drinks. But here do we have a Catholic priest who knows something? I, yeah, I love the notion that there are people who... Look how sweaty he is. I know. It's just all these little details. It's like the, the, the notion that the tall man like infects certain people, like the burden of knowledge that characters have yeah. is kind of a fun little thing that happens in these movies. Like characters that just... Well, I love how you just can't like categorize it and dismiss it as the tall man's an alien. You can't really do that. There's more to it. Yeah, it's the sci-fi. As- Excuse me, Jesus. The sci-fi aspects are wild, and he just want to make sure that like this one is unusable. Ooh. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love it. Yeah, he's just doing his part. Oh, I love that smoking casket. I mean, just visually interesting. Oh, wait a second. Here we go. Chekhov's hairpin or lapel pin. (laughs) Chekhov's brooch. Love. The service is about to begin, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ma'am. No, I prefer her, sir. Well, it's the same scare. It's the same line, basically, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Again, pseudo-remake. This is a little gross. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Lick it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, come on. Angus. Angus is the man. Just that sneer. You like it? Oh, wait, look, it's green. It looked yellow to me. Green, yeah, I'm colorblind, dude. So am I. Oh, okay. (laughs) This scene, dude, I love this. I love this whole sequence. We've seen this house before, too. I swear this house, yeah, I mean, it feels like the house from uh, maybe Drag Me to Hell. It kind of feels Mm -hmm. like her house in that. Actually, I had a friend that I went to high school with. She had a house very similar to that with that kind of stone facade and big veranda porch and everything. There's a lot of houses in this area of town, too, that look like that. Yeah. Burdened with knowledge. Well, look at him shaking. Actually, this is a really good performance from this. No, he's great, man. He's got a very thankless role. You know, you're you're just like, you're not clear what he's doing. He really just exists to be a guy that gets his blood sucked out by a ball. But again, the genius of. Father Morning and Exorcist (laughs) 3. Exactly. (laughs) No, this is a much better characterization. Yeah, he at least he's active in the proceedings like yeah. there's he doesn't just show up out of nowhere like he's he is what mike was in the first movie um and he's just well this is i think probably an illustration to the extent of the tall man's power and evil 
Yeah, I mean, he he's just a weaker man than Mike and Reggie. That's yeah. all, you know. Like he's witnessed the same exact shit. Probably not even not even nearly as bad. This dude's never been through a portal. True. You know, he doesn't have any fucking idea what he's into. He's thinking he can fight the tall man with a cross. Yeah. Which of course prompts one of the greatest lines in horror films. Crosses are for pussies. Yep, exactly. That's that's it. That's the line right there. <laughs> Damn this wind. Love this scare, dude. I love this shit. (laughs) Yeah, you and me both. Oh, I love it, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of these houses are just phenomenal. This house is very much like uh, the house that I watched the movie in. Yeah. This is a lot... Like decor, even same thing. Also, this is one of the best scares in the movie, too. Coming up here. Sorry, Grandma. There is no Grandma, only Sue. Nice slow push in. Continue the camera movement. Spooky grandma. I'm scared, Chris. Grandma farts herself in her sleep. Hot boxing. <laughs> Hot boxing with the corpse. Grandpa has a stiffy. <laughs> Grandpa is a stiffy. Dude, I love this shot. Nope. Huh. Oh! Oh, God! Mm-hmm. Jesus! It's a great makeup job. That is a great makeup job. I love that uh, Mark Showstrom makeup effect. He like Henrietta has it too. Like these pock marks yeah. in their faces, where it looks like it's like styrofoam that's just been splashed with acid. Yeah. You know, look how cool Reggie looks with this five o'clock shadow. You think you can vamp for a second? I actually have to take a tall piss. A tall piss? (laughs) Can you vamp? Yeah. Okay. Be right back. I'll I'll move fast. So there's going to be some interesting things I'm going to tell you fans at home about Brandon while he's gone. Ah, and here we have the sequence where they pick up Alchemy, the hitchhiker, who Mike saw earlier laying on the slab at the funeral home. Haunting. Really cool Y incision that they had on her makeup there. There is a very ethereal, dreamlike quality to this movie as well. I mean, so many different film techniques and different types of shots that Coscarelli uses here.
And it looks like Reggie did pick up the hitchhiker. Yep. They also kind of harken back to the costume that Mike was wearing in the first film. So he's got the denim, you know, jeans and then the denim jacket. And of course, Reggie in his uh, ever present flannel. Chris, is it weird that when I peed, uh, poop came out of my wiener? That is very weird. But you want to know something? It's very fitting that you came back right during a pissing scene. Oh, my God! <laughs> you know, we should have gone to the bathroom together and pissed side by side so we could oh, talk about the movie. Just have. like Reggie and Mike are doing right now. Oh, and then we could Although, with the way that Mike is standing, I think he's pissing on Reggie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give, give each other some space. Yeah, I love cheat, that, cheat out, Mike. Cheat uh, out. Come uh, on. I love that Reggie's talking about, like, it gets hard on the road. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about propositioning you, Mike. It gets flaccid out here on the road, man. Come on. Oh, I, I guess it's not subtle. I always remember that being more subtle in my mm. brain. But like, he looks down at his dick when he says that. That's the other thing that I love about these movies. The recurring theme that Reggie He's always... He's a hound, and, man. And he succeeds. Yes. I mean, there's actually something like minorly creepy about him, you know. Some of the things that he says, you know, you know, 1970s, 1980s kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a little, it's and a little like, dated. His approach really? may be a little yeah. dated, but but Reggie scores, and it's probably because he's sporting a hog leg. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's any just people are weak for men who play guitar. Yeah. Well, he probably has pretty good technique licking an ice cream cone, too, so I'm sure Alchemy would dig that. <laughs> hey, baby, I, uh, I'm i in the ice cream business, and you pick up a few things when you're in the ice cream business. Ever creamed your pants? Why does he tell, tell, suddenly turn into Freddy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to cream time, bitch. <laughs> So I love that that would be Reggie's approach to a girl. Hey, Alchemy, you ever cream your pants? <laughs> like, what, dude? That's not going to work. It works. Where did Granny go? Granny go, go, bye. Granny went out the window with Grampy. Wait a second. Elizabeth Murphy. Oh, and here we have the lapel pin with the yellow, not green blood on it. It's yellow. Okay. Mm. Ooh, there was a psychic message linked to the uh, lapel pin. That's kind of cool that the tall man can do that, which, I mean, is kind of established in the first film as well. So, so Chris, where did the, um, I, maybe don't, we don't, maybe I shouldn't disparage too much, but like, how do you feel about the sequels to these movies? Um, I've tried very, very hard over the years because I love Coscarelli. I love the concept of Phantasm. I love the first two movies so incredibly much. Um, I just think, once again, kind of diminishing returns with each yeah. subsequent film. You know, there's more, you know, expansion of the, the mythology and everything. And I'm not sure if I necessarily like it. You know, Coscarelli can still put together some crazy imagery and everything. Like, I think one of my favorite images from the subsequent uh, Phantasm movies is all the balls on the ceiling pinning pinning reggie yes yeah you know that's great image that's pretty freaking cool um 
you know, the whole, what is it, Jedediah Morningside thing, eh, kind of interesting, but, you know, they bring Michael Baldwin back, they bring back the actor that plays Jody in those films. Holy and shit, she's going to RoboCop's grave? Yes. Beloved husband and father. <gasps> Holy shit, dude, does this take place in RoboCop universe? It might. Is there a crossover we're about to see? That would be Robocrop so versus Ed two hundred nine versus the tall man. tall man. Oh my god! Or I'll tell you what: when they actually open up Ed two hundred nine, you've got one of the fucking dwarves on the inside. Oh running my the god! Thing. Or like Kane in RoboCop two. Oh his yeah, brain, there you go. It's actually yeah. Grandma. Any excuse to put put fucking Tom Noonan? I mean, Tom Noonan could be the uh, the new fucking tall man now. Oh that shit! Angus Scrim has passed. Although it's one of those roles that I don't think you could really separate the two. Well, I don't know, man. I you know, like I think about this all the time because I'm like, we're I uh, we're probably past the point. I'm never say never, but we're probably past the point where you could do any legitimate sequel now. Um, that oh, you, this this movie's ripe for a reboot. Yeah, I mean, a complete starting from scratch kind of a number, um, which bums me out to think about. I don't really like to imagine that, but we'll always have Phantasm and Phantasm 2. Yes. And, um, I would be excited to see a Phantasm reboot, to let another visionary director who really has a great respect for Coscarelli and his material to take a crack at this this mythology because i mean here here we go i mean we're myth making all right storytellers are myth makers and for a huge percentage of human history you know you've always heard the stories that there's only seven stories that are just kind of retold and retold and retold and everything so why don't we even look at that like as a mythos you know this is why you can remake hellraiser because it's an iconic mythological world that's been created by clive barker i think that's why you can go through with a franchise like nightmare on elm street or friday the 13th or halloween these are mythologies you know, these are these are boogeyman tales. So why don't you take the trappings of those specific tales and, you know, let other people take a try at them. You know, that's the other thing about, like, you know, Disney and fucking copyright law and all that kind of shit. You know, movies and f- book characters and everything used to pass into the public domain. And then the story belonged to everybody. And we could start telling our new iterations. This is why we have so many fucking Dracula and Frankenstein and stories. Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. Is. You know, we have the opportunity to go through and take these characters and these situations and tell new stories based upon these characters that we love. So why shouldn't we be able to do the same now? Well, because, you know, the rat has gone through and said, well, you know, this whole copyright thing where, you know, after a creator has died and everything, you know, it goes into the public domain. Uh-huh. No, we want to keep making money off of yeah, that and make sure that, that nobody else can really kind of play around with these characters. And while we're at it, we're going to buy up every single property that we can so no one can make any money yes. off of anything Ex- ever. Exactly. Oh, they'll have their fall. Yeah. It's happened in the past. It will happen again. Again. Um, And again. I say that as Reggie sets a grenade. Uh, Mike, you know, the one thing I like what I would like to see um, in a maybe in a reboot or a sequel or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. The one now, look, I I love the Phantasm movies, so this isn't even like a, a, a issue with them, but. And I understand the intent or the impulse to always go bigger. 
um, each movie kind of gets a little bit bigger in its scope yeah. and opens up that interdimensional stuff a little more until literally Ravager has giant silver spheres, you know, destroying cities like Godzilla. Yeah. What I love about the first Phantasm and why it's one of my favorite movies of all time is that quiet, intimate tone poem that it is. Yeah. I want kind of to see that. And I, I, I get, I mean, Phantasm 2 is such a good time. Like, this is so fun. It's so fast moving and, and exciting. And like the rock and roll equivalent of the prog rock. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the, 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 Phantasm was the hit song, and then they were like, now make a pop album. So they did it. I kind of want to see that. I want like a fucking 25 minute space rock guitar solo. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I think I would like to see with a Phantasm movie. Just go back to the quiet, intimate tale. Rick Wakeman does Phantasm. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Here we go. Nice trocar. Yep. Uh, Now, here's the thing he wouldn't be going straight up and down, he would be going almost laterally. And also, how long does it take to embalm someone? Uh, well, it depends, I guess, Let's on see. the size and weight of somebody. But yeah, generally they will go into the uh, the inferior vena cava. And, uh, does it take 12 aorta. seconds? I, I don't think it takes 12 seconds, <laughs> okay. no. It takes a little bit longer than that. But, you know, there's also a lot of methodologies for going through and doing that. Here's another iconic image that's in the trailer, too, is this guy oh, the in the gas mask. Yeah. yeah. Who are these guys working for him? Mm-hmm. Where did she go? Ooh, look how dirty that coffin looks. Mm-hmm. Covered in grave rot. That's not a coffin. That's a casket. And for all of you out there, yes, I am that asshole. There is a difference between a coffin and a casket. <sighs> Coffins mimic the shape of the human body, and caskets are big rectangles. It's not a rectangle, it's a hexatectogram. No, it's not. It's a rectangle. Fuck you, shut up. A coffin a coffin is like the old the things they build in the old west. Like the ones that kind of look like this, that have like the... Yeah, it mimics the, the shape of the, the human angle. body. Yeah. So, at least particularly like with men, wider at the shoulders and narrower at the feet. Okay. <laughs> the problem with my coffin is it would have to... It, it could be built that way, but then it would have to have a, an extension that just goes straight up from it. Like mm-hmm. just all the way. So, if the coffin's lying flat... Well, I know, because your wife is basically wants to bury you with the dildo that she pegs you with. (laughs) Face down, up my ass. Exactly. (laughs) And it's 16 feet long. Exactly. Because she can't stand to be in the same room. (laughs) I understand that. I set them up, you knock them down. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. We wrote that joke. Yep. And workshopped it. Mm -hmm. Three other people are... Not credited, but I'd like to take the time to give them the thanks yes. now. You know who you are. Yeah. And we actually went through, we did a couple of, of audience sessions with it. There were questionnaires that were filled out. We got feedback. Yeah, we, we modified things. And that's how we can bring that joke to you now. That's right. And it's been run through legal, and there is a copyright on mm-hmm. it. So, Disney, you can't fucking steal it. <laughs> Shit, Disney probably has that fucking trademark, too. Mm assholes 
if I have any, I only have one gripe for this movie. One. Okay. What's your one gripe on this movie? It's that this scene is completely cut. Is that this the this scene is completely neutered when yeah. he is killed? That's disappointing. And it exists. They filmed it. Yeah. You can watch it on the Blu-ray. You can watch the deleted gore. I mean, it's cool that they show his ear get cut off. Yeah. But the, you, you, the effect I just love of the that blood, it's a little fucking cask. Or that's a little coffin right there. That's actually Yeah, a that's coffin. a coffin, Chris. That's a coffin right there. Why, why would you touch it? Why would you want to look at it and touch it? Because he wants to save the the little soul that might exist in there. You can hurt yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, dude. Smarts, don't it? Dumbass. There he goes. Now he knows. Now he knows (laughs) that things are unholy. Never mind the fact that he stabbed a family friend through the chest with a knife and it bled yellow. Yes, it did. (laughs) Although that could be embalming fluid. That's true. And maybe that's what they're harking to. What color is embalming fluid for real? Uh, it, Kind of an amber color. I think there's some that are even kind of like almost a reddish color. Here you go. Is this your line? I love this macro close-up. Mm-hmm. When the, right here. Or after it wraps around. That right there, yeah. beautiful shot, and upside down. I know, cross like levitator crucifix. Actually, it's a S- coffin strangling. Here we go. Think when you die, you you come to us. Oh, That's a great fucking! Line. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dude. That man had a Grammy. Yeah, he wrote some really great liner notes. Yep. Oh, here we go. Here it comes. Testies, testies. I've heard of one one phantasm ball, but three? And these ones actually have different colors, don't they? There is a gold ball. I don't know how I feel about each movie. They like introduce a new element to the ball. It's kind of like, I don't know that that's necessary. I think it was kind of cool here, but once you started to get into like the third and fourth and fifth films, like it got super fucking hokey. Yeah. I just, I'm fine with just the blades and the blood draining. And I guess I'll pass the laser just because it's 1988 and like lasers were cool. <laughs> well, it fucking fries that rat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I like the one that's got the saw blades in it, too, because when it goes into that one graver guy that works for the tall man and makes him dance. Oh, I love that scene. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Well, I got a little treat for you, Chris. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're going to get to see that scene. (gasps) Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here comes the ball. What the? (laughs) I mean, that's pretty gnarly. That's an optical effect right there. Well, here we go. 
I mean, I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Maybe. You know, you see that huge puddle of blood. You're just kind of like, what? That's not how much came out. But whatever. It's it just in comparison to the first one where it happens and then the guy fucking pisses himself. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what puts it over the edge. You know, you're like, Jesus. All right, this thing's not fucking around. Come on up to the apple box. Oh, ouch. That didn't feel good, tall man. Mm-hmm. You threw me against the wall. I, um... <clears throat> Here we go. Oh, God. The fucking dwarves, I love that's man. A, that's pretty terrifying, actually, how he dink, walks dink. around and then... Dink, 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 dink. Little fucking Jawa-looking thing. Grandma? Oh! So, um... There was only one weekend of horrors that ever came to Florida, and mm-hmm. it came to Orlando, and it was somewhere around 99 or 2000. Yeah. And it was the first time I ever got to meet a lot of you know these people that I admired. Um, I got to meet Tom Savini, who was going through an admittedly difficult point in his life, and he was very rude. Um, I met uh, uh, Richard Liberty from Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Frankenstein. Uh, <clears throat> Tony Tamponi, the edit- then mm-hmm. editor of Fango, Fango who yeah. was wonderful. And the one, but the person that was there, I will never forget walking into one of the convention rooms and sitting there all by himself was Angus Scrim. Really? Just waiting for a presentation to start. Nobody was in the room and I did not approach him to talk to him and i I never got to meet him i never got to communicate in any way by every single account he was the most genuine wonderful human being yeah but i got choked out by kane hotter i got to hug linnea quigley did not get to talk to angus oh that sounds fun anyway it's just a just a bummer it's a regret That's a way to start a fire. <laughs> it's a lot easier Hell yeah. doing it that way than any other way. Just how this is lit, though, you know, with candles and the fire and everything. It's so cozy. Do you want to hear a funny Phantasm 5 story? Sure. All right. You might know it. I might have told you this. I don't know if I have. This is Ravager, right? Yeah, Phantasm yeah. Ravager was a big deal for us when it came out. Um, we were we were all super excited. Me and Kara, uh, my wife Kara, and um, our friend uh, Chris Rutherford. Uh, we were super excited, so we uh, rented the movie, you know, the, the day it premiered or whatever, and we took a picture of the three of us with the title screen, Phantasm Ravager, and we made these silver spheres and we glued them to our heads. Mm-hmm. And uh, I took like the issue of like Fango number two that 
Phantasm was in and the other one, and we were laid, you know, around the TV. Yeah, watching it. We posted it, and I guess Don Coscarelli saw it, mm-hmm. and he sent me a, a DM. Nice. And he goes, uh, Brandon, uh, can I call you? Uh, and I'm like, what? So I, I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I've got David Hartman, who was like the co-director, yeah. or the director of Phantasm Ravager. And he's like, we want to give you a call. And uh, I was like, yeah, of course. So I give him my number. But we start watching the movie because it's like, mm-hmm. it, you know, time goes by. We haven't heard from him. Finally, he like the phone rings and we're watching the movie and I pick it up. And the first thing I say, I answer the phone. I go, this better be fucking good. I'm trying to watch Phantasm Ravager. And I hear on the other end go, Brandon, this is Don Coscarelli. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, and I go, yeah, Don, I know, and I'm trying to watch <laughs> Phantasm Five. <laughs> anyway, Did he tell me laughing. that he saw the humor. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. He started laughing. We we ended up talking for a very long time. We bonded over our mutual love of bourbon. Oh, there we go. Uh, we had both just been on the bourbon trail in Kentucky, nice. so we had a lot to talk about. He was like, "You drinking Dos Equis watching this?" And I was like, "No, Don, I'm not a beer guy." I'm drinking bourbon. But the funny, <laughs> the fact that he was asking if you're drinking Dos Equis, I which I think, do they still, like, by the time they were making Phantasm Five, yeah, they a, still had Dos Equis left over from the first film? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the only people in the world to drink it are yeah. the creators of Phantasm. Oh, yeah. Lick that bald head. Anyway, he did ask me, he was like, what did, what did you think of uh, Phantasm Five? And I was like, Don, I'm, I'm 10 minutes into the movie. <laughs> as soon as I get off the phone with you, I'd gladly like to watch it. I'll, you know, I'll gladly watch it and let you know. Now, he was wonderful. He and Dave Hartman, both great guys. Now, does he prefer vegan bourbon? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Why? Is he a vegan? Yes. Is, I don't think there's such a thing as vegan bourbon. I mean, oh, technically okay. it is. I mean, yeah. it's not made from well, goats. no, I, I think uh, that uh, Don's daughter actually owns a very well-respected vegan restaurant That's right. in she sure LA. does. So are they having sex? I don't think so. I, yeah, that was a little weird. Pants but, like, All and of a sudden underwear. there's an explosion downstairs and she's just laughing. And she's like, what? But she is a otherworldly creature that so. is true she's just a temptress trying to distract them from the what's happening in ukraine <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. the embodiment of the overturning of Roe versus wade <laughs> i have freaking colt commander that he's got i love one of those Is that nickel plated or is it stainless? I think it's nickel back. Nickel. Oh God! Well, throw it away then. <laughs> well, we have a giant hole in the wall from where the grenade went off. And anything else? Oh my God! It was a dog. It was a cat. Yeah, yeah you're, you're hitting below the belt there, Mike, calling him a bald, middle-aged ex-ice cream vendor. And 19, I don't think so. 
I half expected something to be there. Not yet. I half expected something to be there. That's the third half that I've expected. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it definitely won't be over here. Damn, he just broke through that glass. Like he was the tall man. Well, shit. Oh, throw her right into the back of that hearse, which can't tell you how many times I've rode in the back of a hearse. Or... Have you really? Yeah. I guess so. I guess it makes sense that you would. Yeah, and it, it's kind of funny because like any type of like funeral vehicle, whether it's like a van or a hearse or you know, my dad even had a Suburban that they would use sometimes too. There's these tracks that they have in the floor that have a series of holes in it. And then there were these bumper pads that you would put in that you would lock into those holes. So you could make sure you lock the casket in place so it wouldn't roll around or move. I was Now, that- notice what color she's wearing. What color is is alchemy wearing right there in this shot? Um, I love that exit. Purple. Purple? Okay. What about it? Well, what's the first thing you see in the original Phantasm? The lady... Well, it's lavender. Okay, excuse me. What if I said lilac? I don't know. You just gave me shit for like the difference between coffin and casket. Well, there is a difference between there a coffin is a difference and casket. between fuchsia and lavender. It, they're both in the purple family. All right. <laughs> God damn it, dude. Oh, incredible! It's fucking purple, though. I actually never. I don't. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Yeah. Oh yeah, loading in I mean, bitches it, yeah, in just there. A, just in case her naked corpse on a slab wasn't enough, enough of to a... show, you know. <laughs> hey. Now this always kind of remind me too, like Monster Squad, you know, the car chase on the road with the uh, the hearse. Again, parallel to the first Phantasm, mm-hmm. there's a scene very similar mm-hmm. to this. Although personally, I think I think the the car chase in the first Phantasm is fucking cooler. Yeah, just because. He pops the top on it, yeah. you know, like it's just kaboom. And it's totally unexpected in like a next to nothing budget movie. And here we go. There goes that Himikuma. Oh, God damn it, Don. God damn it, Don. Uh, okay, so at least it's just wrecked and, and we could probably just do some body work on it, right? Yeah, I think that's fine. You got the freaking muffler and exhaust system in the top of a burning tree. Damn, he got thrown far as fuck. Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. We wrecked the coda. I feel like that's actually how you would say it. I think. I feel like if you were trapped in a car like that, and I came up to you and I was like, Chris, and you'd be like, ah, oh, shit. We fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of a more of a god damn it guy. You god know? Everything damn I'm going to be like, god damn it. Oh, yeah. Well, come on. Get, get get your gear out. How much fucking gas is in that car? 
they had filled up right before they left. <laughs> and this is the 80s, so like gas was like, what, 89 cents a gallon? Yeah, I think probably got, what, six gallons, six miles to the gallon? Hey, that's fucking America for you, goddammit. <laughs> Again, at least they'll be able to take this thing to the body shop. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Don, it could have been any car that you blew up. Yeah. You, you could have blown up anything <laughs> i mean all you have to do is ask friggin roger corman you know how many times did he go through and it's like blue car blue car it's good enough blow it up right <laughs> lloyd kaufman doesn't even go that far yeah. he just uses the same shot over and over of a yeah. car flipping and then exploding economical oh these dudes are so f- uh, crematorium oh it brings back really fond memories Oh, and then we go to a shot. Look at all those fucking like fire tornadoes Ooh, too. I love it. Thing. You know, there's like five of them. That's the soul of the Himikuda going. Yeah, into, going, <laughs> going to the great car beyond. Yeah, I'd be pissed too. Let's go kick some ass. I am pissed. I'm pissed for them both. Now, truth be told, a lot of times they're not going to really do that with the casket. The whole coffin? Casket. Um, (sighs) A lot of them are metal, dude. You know, so a lot of times if you're going to cremate somebody, if it's a wooden casket, then yes, they will go through and do it. But by and large, they put them in what is known as like a combination unit, which is actually kind of just a wood box just to hold them. And... Yeah, just burn him inside that. Now, this is true. There is a pan that has... Now, he goes a little, you know, old school and everything, and he uses a a mallet to go through and uh, kind of pulverize the larger bone fragments down. But like, It's basically what you do with your cocaine, too. Yeah. But uh, my old man actually had, like, a grinder it was a machine you know big box and stuff that had like you know teeth in the top and you would pour the cremains i'm picturing like that thing from temple of doom the rock crusher from temple of doom or if you've seen the end of halloween ends but (gasps) sorry i'll leave it at that um and then it would drop it into a bin and usually a bag you know really like a visqueen bag at the bottom and that is what's in 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 a situation that i had tossed into a cardboard box and taped up with duct tape with a name written in Sharpie and put into your hands at the funeral home. Well, that's if you can't really afford you know, one of the urns that they've kind of tried to you know, oh, get no. you to do. Oh, no. We paid for it. We could. And that's what the guy gave me my grandmother in. A fucking cardboard box with duct tape and her oh, name nice. written in Sharpie. Yeah. With her daughter, my mom, standing right there looking on in shock. It was fucking crazy. Yeah. And it, and it, like that was like the well, most cynical moment the, uh, of death the, uh, like the, for uh, me. The, the funeral industry is like any other business. You know, you've got people that cut corners and do whatever it is that they can to, you know, maximize the buck and well, minimize dude, the sympathy. Oh, that's I, actually a meat tenderizer he's using. But it was pertinent to like what the tall man says. Yeah. You come to us. Yeah. 
it was like I had that like a crystallized moment at that time when I got that cardboard box with my grandmother's remains. We, you know, my dad used to have like little plastic containers if it wasn't specified to be put. Sam Raimi, yeah, hundred seventy pounds, plastic. not yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it was like a plastic that would have this you know lid that you would kind of put on it and everything, and it was a little would you more burp dignified. It? What's that? Would you burp it like a Tupperware? Oh yeah, definitely. Did he have ladies go to parties? No, with because it? what would happen is that you would put it in that that bag, and you would slide the bag into this plastic container, and like once you kind of sealed it, it looked like it was just a uniform like box on all four sides. Like there was no like lid or you know that kind of stuff. It was just this kind of you know. And sometimes people would buy decorative urns that mm-hmm. would be brass, or they had them like in marble, or you know they even had some more you know economical things if people couldn't afford a whole lot. And by the way. In case you're wondering, all of this is a teaser for our brand new podcast, Caskets or Coffins, coming very soon, Mm -hmm. where Chris and I just sit around and talk about corpses and grinding up bones, Mm -hmm. and we do it in stereo surround, ASMR style. Yeah, you'd be surprised the things that you could learn. So you get to hear, (laughs) we take the bones, we put them in our mouths. That's what the crematorium sounds like. One of them brain suckers. Catch it. I, I'm in the same boat as Reggie. Like, yeah, right. Okay, dude. Mm-hmm. Left or right, if you ever say to me, you take the north, I'll take the south, I'll be like, dude, don't talk to me like I'm a Marine. Dude, I'm going to go this way, you go that (laughs) way. And actually, we're going to go together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love these, like, stuntmen, morgue guys. No, weren't these guys like actual Italian dudes that like didn't speak English? I don't know, or like Romanian. They don't look. Do they look Italian? They look more Romanian. No, I mean these guys look like they came out of a Fulci or a Dario Argento movie. <laughs> I seem to remember something, you know, in uh, what was it, Phantasm Exhumed, talking about these guys. I don't recall. I am. I am looking them up right now to see if they've ever done anything. Other than this, and you know they haven't, but hey, we could be pleasantly surprised. I'm going to grab you by the ears. There's the one mortician who... Oh, dude, holy shit. Not him, but the other guy? Mm Mm-hmm. Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Voyager, Deep Space Nine. Ooh, that's nasty. Yeah, that burnt hand. Ooh. You want to know who he played in uh, Star Trek Voyager? Sure. Kazan Nistrim, Borg drone, alien worker, Romulan hologram, deceased Borg drone, assimilated Romulan, dream species alien, violent repto-humanoid, dead vori, tech-tech shopper, marketplace alien, and Valak. 17 episodes he played Valak. Huh, okay. Well, I guess he made more appearances than uh, Jeffrey Combs did as different uh, characters. Oh, here we go. I love this scene. 
Oh God, this dude gets a chainsaw to the dick. Yeah. Yeah, but this is also like, you know, the, the pissing contest between like my chainsaw is bigger than your chainsaw. My chainsaw and your chainsaw sitting by the fire. My chainsaw said to your chainsaw. Sing it to the choir. Whoa, close call, duddies. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a Phantasm movie where somebody takes a baseball bat out and actually, like, you know, hits the frigging... Uh, it's even better. It's fucking nunchucks. Oh, that's in that's in the third one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. What's her face that Reggie winds up banging? Oh, here we go. I love this. And I love what he has to do here. At least... This is all pretty great. I was bitching about the one... Here's the gold one. ...from earlier, like how bloodless it is. This is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Cutting your hand off and then what happens to him. Oh, would you do it, Chris? Cut my own hand off? Yeah. He's got like the constitution of uh, Jane Levy in the Evil Dead remake. Yeah. Or Ash in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Or Carrie Elwes in Saw. But not Carrie always agreeing to be in Saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch out. It's another dude with the mullet. This dude gets it right in the fucking pit, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Come on, you mother! Yes, Reggie! Oh, Jesus. Very reminiscent of the film Mandy. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Well, actually, I guess Mandy is very reminiscent of this film. Uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, but wait a second. Is that a ball with a hand in it? Oh, oh! Now yeah. can spit acid? What the fuck, man? It's not acid. There we go. It's just, che- oh, it's laser. It's a che- laser. Chekhov's rat. <laughs> it's just a laser. It's just a laser, Chris. I love the sound effect, though. What do they use? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Does Ben Burt get a credit to this? I certainly hope so. Very alien-esque, or oh I'm saying aliens-esque. Roger Waters is coming in his pants watching this scene. Did I ever tell you I went to a, well, I did recently go to see Roger Waters, and it was a snooze fest, but oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I went to a, I went to a, there you go, Chris, exploding you're right, rat. exploding. I went to a, a, a Pink Floyd tribute concert, mm-hmm. and I was all excited. Here you go, Evil Dead. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Um, I, d- I directed a commercial just recently where we did a kind of similar shot yeah. just with a bowling ball. Uh, anyway, we had to build a special rig for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so uh, what was I saying? Uh, he tied it off a of surgical tubing. Who cares what I was saying? Yeah, this is fucking, this is the awesome part. All right, drilling a hole through that steel door. Here comes the ball. 
And here's a very Evil Sam Raimi. Yep. Dude, I love it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's pretty nasty, oh, yeah. dude. I, I, that is great. Yeah. It Ooh, makes his whole body dance. The reverse. Oh, oh God. How is he still alive? Oh. Now, I have a Fangoria. There, there was an era of Fango where they did pull out f- uh, the front cover. If you mm-hmm. opened it up, it had an extra page, and it would be a Scream Greats pull-out poster. Yeah. And I still have the one that is a still image of th- this shot of the guy yeah. turned around. It's only shown so briefly on camera, but I have this incredible image of the just mind-blowing Mark Showstrom effects yeah. of the thing stuck in his face. It's fucking incredible. And then they turn it on. Oh, it's still moves. <laughs> oh, God, dude. That image is burned into my yeah. brain. this was any other horror film and any other horror director he'd be like okay now that we've just been dispatched you know by that guy you want to bang <laughs> there was a sex scene between them that they cut out yeah and you can see you can watch the special features of it you can see it it's it's pretty dumb yeah they're like they're like twisting and turning and falling through time and space yeah it's really stupid <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, the dracula sex scene in uh in the Frank Langella Dracula with the laser beam. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Dude, people were obsessed with lasers. Yeah. Well, it was the 80s, man. Laser beams. Lasers. Now we use lasers as fucking cat toys. <laughs> I mean, I if s- I was a child of the 80s and I had like a fucking laser pointer like I you know, had for my cat... Oh, my God. You'd be going to every single improv show that you could and just shooting it on their faces and dicks. Oh, is he okay? Oh, God, dick blood. (laughs) Small businessman always gets it in the ass. Up, my hems. Oh, I said we weren't going to talk about my hems. Sorry. You're talking about your personal collection of Hemikudas. Yes, absolutely, man. And they burn. They burn. Yeah! That's why you got a fucking quad shotgun so you can take out four fucking dwarves. What? Don't throw it away, dude. Why does he look at it in disgust? You need that for the next movie. He does have it in the next movie. Yes, I know. It's does it make And where fucking... the fuck did she get this car? It's a ghost car, dude. I love the phantasm theme. Yeah, me too. 
this movie is a little more orchestral. I love the original because mm-hmm. it's got this like kind of like fusion jazz funk versions yeah. of it. Um, that's a really hard score to find, by the way. Yeah, I saw it at a record sh- shop uh, like four or five years ago mm-hmm. on CD. Really? Uh, for like a hundred bucks. Wow. And I was like, nah, I just couldn't justify yeah. it because um, you know you can I could download it, I guess, if I really wanted it, but. I'm dying to get it on vinyl. So if anybody listening wants to get me a gift, you could get me the Phantasm soundtrack on vinyl. Can we see the camera in the uh, in the reflection? No way, wall? dude. They went out of their mm. way to make sure mm-hmm. you could never yeah. see it. Well, I guess we got our ball. So if it's stuck in a human body part, it's inert. It's yeah. Inert. And Reggie's like, why the fuck do I have to carry this thing? <laughs> he always has to. <laughs> Quit acting like you're wondering what's going on, Alchemy. We know. Your name is Alchemy. She's not wearing purple anymore. Are you sure it's not just like lit differently? No, it's a completely different top. What the butt? Dude, all you need is a USB drive. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about that? About their, how they're stealing old cars using USB drives? Using because all you need is like something. It literally to turn the engine starter. Oh man, it's you. It's the exact shape of a USB stick. Oh my god, it's <laughs> incredible. What is this country coming to? And Reggie's like, God damn it, Mike. He's so great. You know what? Once we're done with this, Mike, I'm moving to Texas, and I'm going to take a job as a manager for a fucking retirement home. And actually, before I do that, I'm going to go be a a worker at a drugstore where a man who grants wishes comes through all the time. Yeah. And I'm going to wish for a bird's nest. You know what's in there, Reg. Yeah, you guys have done this before. Ew. It looks like a beakler. <laughs> <laughs> One of the simplest effects, but most effective. Oh, I love it. And I think the temptation would be to do that effect like differently now, but yeah. I love that it's just simple practical just, uh, i love that i love how that looks it's just like a perspective thing whoa but i'm cool with that Now, so, what is that little sensor thing? You know, it's, I always, know, always look a, at that. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of questions here, and you know, like, oh God, Jesus, oh. Ugh. 
it's a dwarf covered in tar. My my interpretation is they're not scared. <laughs> they're just fucking grossed out. Mm. They're like, I don't want it to touch me. That's a pretty spooky trocar right there. A trocar is the name of that long needle? Yes. And they come in a variety of different sizes and shapes and everything. Colors? Can you trade them with your friends? No, generally they tend to be stainless. No. I'd want one that glows in the dark. That'd be pretty cool. Or at least glows in the dark. Wait, what? did I just say that? Twice? Yes, you did. I'm going to embalm her with this stuff that Reggie poured hydrochloric acid in. Oh, look. It's mini-me. Kiss him. Kiss him. Nice. <laughs> oh, and once again, God. generally, they don't go into the carotid artery, although that looked pretty cool. And the way that he's guiding it is pretty good. But, yeah, they go in to the abdomen. Yeah, suck on it. Yeah, I don't know. It could could have done something else, right? Suck on this is not not my favorite. Well, t- I could just see Don arguing with the MPAA. It's not red. It's yellow. It's not blood, so we can have it. Dude, he just Richard Dreyfus that thing. Yep. Show oh, what me is the way it? To go. Oh, don't tell me. <laughs> oh, God. Ow. Ooh. There we go. Oh, nasty spray. It's like a zit, you know, and you got to get the head out. We never see anything like a final form of uh, the tall man. No. Oh, this is a gnarly yeah. death, dude. This is worthy of like any awesome Freddy Krueger death. And it's that same kind of Henrietta, like you'd said, pockmarks. Yes. I mean, it looks like a gremlin, really. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Don, why? Oh, I love it. Heat gun. Oh. Yeah, exploding eyeballs. That's. I love that Ridge is like, this is the worst thing maybe I've ever seen. Well, good news, guys. Your problems are over. Yep. You've done it. Yep. <laughs> You've defeated the tall man. You'll never have to worry about this ever again. Ever, ever again. What I love is how Phantasm 3 does the same thing that this does. Yeah. Where it just starts and you just see the tall man comes out of the portal and walks past the mm-hmm. corpse of the tall man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like never ending. Huh? He's so happy to see her. I love his reaction here. Yes, he's so happy. I love that mm-hmm. hand on the arm. Like you did it. I'm getting laid tonight. That's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Well, if anyone deserves to get laid, it's Reggie. It's Reggie. Yeah. You guys want to show the same house blow up one more time? I think so. (laughs) It's a casket, Reggie. Look at its dick. 
See if you can see its wiener. Reggie, what the fuck? Why would you? What are you talking about? <laughs> Let's piss on it. <laughs> what? Oh, ooh, ooh la la. Ooh, yeah. I mean, she's driving. What's she gonna do? Hey, baby. Yeah, he. I love him. I never saw that coming. <laughs> Ew. My vibe is that she's like that in real life, too. <laughs> the actress, Samantha Phillips, if you yeah. ever get to hang out with her, she pulls her hair off in front of you. Yeah. <gasps> Reggie? Isn't this kind of how we have the first film, too? I mean, Reggie does get stabbed with a knife. The tradition of Reggie (laughs) getting very obviously, like, killed. But he's he's not dead. But he's never dead. Starting, yeah, every single one. It's my favorite tradition, I think, of the series. Other than pulling people through glass. It's a dream. No, it's not. Ooh, it looks a lot more believable than uh, Ronnie Blakely getting pulled through the glass. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Fucking Phantasm yes. 2. Phantasm 2. Is fan-fucking-tasmic. Oh, wait, we can't say that because I think Disney's got that copyright. Oh, they too. do. Yeah, Fuck. Fuckers. Oh, my God, the Disney morticians are coming through the yeah. door right now. <laughs> Little fucking chrome floating mickey heads ha oh, ha you're fucked <laughs> got you now fucker <laughs> all righty man well that was that was an experience i was really scared yeah i, I can imagine chris stone there he yeah. goes it sounds like a chris stone you know like yeah grandma grandpa I mean, I. Stacy Travis, that's what it is, yeah. I, and Mike Baldwin is young. At least Mike, he got a he got a credit in there, which means he got some residuals. Yes. So at least there's that. Yeah. Um, I just this movie is. Look how big his credit is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's big because Mark Showstrom did a huge amount of work on this movie. Lynette Garris, isn't that Mick Garris's wife? No, I don't believe so. Oh. Um, I just, this movie is, it's so good. It's a great introduction. It's wonderful because there are very few, this and Evil Dead 2 are movies that you can show somebody without showing them the first one. Yeah. And it's a great welcome and introduction into the world. Yeah. Because bottom line, if they're not into this... They're not going to be into any of them. No. You get everything that you want. I mean, these movies deliver. And I understand, like, the first Phantasm, again, my I described it earlier as a, a tone poem, mm-hmm. which I feel is a pretty accurate description because it's, it, it, it's not bound by anything. Kurtman, Nicotero, Burel. And, like... Or Kurtzman. Did I say Kurtman? 
What am I doing? We knew what you were talking about. Yeah. But the first movie is just like such a a trip. Yeah. And this is very straightforward. So I think like for the people that maybe are in your life that Well what, Coscarelli was what, twenty one when he made the first movie? Something like that. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking impressive considering. And it by the way, was his third film. Yeah. <laughs> Don Coscarelli is we 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 did not sing his praises enough tonight. No. He is a true pioneer, a true independent filmmaker, Absolutely. the epitome as far as I'm concerned of independent filmmaker. He's a man who has retained the rights to his creations, mm-hmm. who has been smart in his decision-making processes, who makes movies with heart and soul. Mm-hmm. There's no one like Don Coscarelli, there never will be. And prosecution and the wrath of the tall man. I, I never love noticed that before. That. Love it. Yeah. Phantasm. Look at this beautiful two. title. Yes. Phantasm two. A perfect film. A perfect film, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I'll. I'll I really do. I just think it's. A perfect I. I, film. I love that movie. Yeah. I, I love that movie. It is so outside the expectations of of what a horror film can be. And that's probably another reason why I love it so much is that it is a work of pure imagination. The candy man can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris, it's fun watching these movies with you. I know we should do it more. We should often. do it more. We should just turn the entire concept of the show into just commentaries. You think so? It you should think, just you, be you think our audiences would like that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we go 50, 50, 50, 50. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to put this behind a paywall, and you're going to have to, if you love it, you're going to have to pay for yeah, it, bitch. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great. Uh, I can't wait to do another one, um, but I think we should we should wrap things up here, Chris. Hey, do you think that this movie would be more romantic if we got out of the Plymouth Fury and actually watched it in a Hemikuda instead? I would say yes, except there aren't any fucking Hemikudas oh, left in existence. Oh, that's right. Don Coscarelli <laughs> blew them all up. I think he's got the last one oh, he keeps in his yeah. garage locked away. Mm. Hey, Don, if you're listening, if I promise if you just give us the keys, we'll bring it back and fill it up with the full tank. Yeah. I promise. Let us do it. And I'll even sit in the back seat because, like, you know, you and Brandon are both tall motherfuckers. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm not short by any stretch. I mean, I'm fucking 5'10". But I'm not, you know, gargantuan fucking like, you know, acromegaly motherfuckers like you guys are. So Don and I will sit in the front with a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Yeah. And uh, drive down to Paragord, Oregon. And you can sit in the back seat. We'll let you pop the top, dude. There we go. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> well, this is another episode of Dead City Drive-In, a special commentary episode. Thank you so much for watching this movie along with us. Yes. Uh, I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting like one of those chrome balls in their head, or they've just got chrome balls, which is like blue balls, but something completely different. (laughs) Have a good one. (laughs) Bye-bye. Want to have words with the management? Email us at deadcitydrivein at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future episode. And hey, why not rate and review Dead City Drive-In on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show, keep the admission free, and splatter just the right amount of slime and sleaze onto our mutant-friendly drive-in screen.
17 not admitted without parent.